you see a band is like doing something cool most of the time and then it's like oh who in this band is the coffee person so oh, okay. you kind of so you, you think stalk. every band has a coffee person it's it's never fails okay it never it never fails i have even sent like personal like just dms to abandonment like who's your coffee person What's good, my friends? Thanks for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Um, you know, when I think about Scoped Exposure, we're definitely the Bev podcast. You know, there's other people like Hardlord. They're like the fast food McDonald's podcast. So if I'm thinking of, of hardcore podcasts and I'm the Anakin Skywalker of, of said universe, um, I think the clear counterpart, and if anything, the more wiser bev podcast in my opinion is the guest that we're bringing on today the obi-wan to my anakin so to speak um you know for for those that kind of follow what we do um we had the pleasure of being a guest on the beans and breakdown podcast with grayson and it would be foolish of me not to return the favor and bring such a hardworking individual not only for his own scene but just canadian hardcore in general uh to feature here on the show today so get a fresh cup of coffee and wake the fuck up and help me welcome Grayson of Bruiserweight and Beans and Breakdown podcast on the Scoped Exposure podcast. Thanks for joining me, bud. Dude, what an intro. You're you're the king. <laughs> you're the king. It's that Canadian hospitality. It's it it really is. This is truly east east meets west in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking back to when you said very very nice things when we were on the beans and breakdown podcast and about not meeting your heroes and i'm like i do not deserve such such an intro <laughs> so i wanted to be able to uh deal it back um you know and you got you got a, a bit of a prequel ewan mcgregor kind of look going on with the beard and everything so i feel i feel like i am a fan of the walkouts you know the dramatic <laughs> wwe the box i'm a big boxing fan so so yeah like Canelo, like that's just always <laughs> in my head. So yeah, but very, I appreciate, I appreciate the return. <laughs> yeah, it's I try to do my very best here, try to set the tone right. Um, so Grayson, like, you know, I don't say it just because you're on on the podcast or just because I wanted to return the favor. I've been a fan of what you've been doing with your own podcast. Been a fan of uh, Bruiserweight, which is the band that you sing for. We're going to get into that since now you have music out because I think mm. I think even back when we did our interview on yours, like the demo wasn't out at that point, so still nope. pretty fresh. Um, and it sounds like you guys got some cool gigs uh, coming up. But before we have to chat music, as you know. Bev check time. So I hope that you've come prepared today, my friend. The the lore stands true. You know, I have been listening also to Scoped Exposure podcast for a while, as long as I've been following the channel. And uh, I've been waiting for what am I going to check? What, what are the Bevs? Um, because I'm a coffee guy, obviously, um, I have something a little special. I just met, you know, Jake from Myland. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, we we just had a little Short talk. King. Yeah. The 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 powerful vocalite of Brampton. Um, <laughs> but uh, we recently did a, a little ditty together, and uh, I picked this up when I was at Outbreak in June. Okay. Uh, Dark Arts Coffee out of London or Hackney. They did a collab for Outbreak specifically, and it's called Crowd Killer. Wow. Which, you know, some boxes <laughs> being checked. <laughs> Dude, that is so brave because you know some, like, boomer mom is coming in being like, what do you mean crowd killer? <laughs> Either that or you run the risk of, like, you know, your resident festival metalhead going, crowd killer, no karate in the pit. But <laughs> Right. That's the, that's the other side of that coin. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is in El Salvador, single origin. It's natural. So it's pretty cool that they didn't just put a, you know, a blend and be like, oh, it's, you know, just put a cool label. No, they actually like did a great coffee. Um, and so I, it's hot in Canada for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did a little ice ditty. It's the, uh, I'm very happy pour that, over. I'm, I'm happy that you're doing the ice drink as well. Cause I, <sighs> I've been drinking coffee all day, just working at a coffee shop here uh, where, I, where I'm staying right now. And then I was like, I f- would feel wrong to check a like a seltzer or something. So I was like, I'm going to get an iced coffee. So it's like a little <laughs> diluted at the very least. But I'm glad that you're mm-hmm. it's just hot out out here in the in the east. I hate it's, this it, fucking humidity. It's crazy. It's it's humid. It's hot. We're having we thought it was a heat wave, but it seems like it's just climate change. Where it's <laughs> consistently just thirty degrees consistently, um, but yeah, it's I had to go iced. Uh, I do a pour over that's iced because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a cold brew hater. I'm sorry, Lumpy, but <laughs> I don't like cold brew, so I do a little bit of a fancier version. I see. Um, I'm gonna ask you about the cold brew here in a second. Uh, I'm just doing an iced latte, uh, oat milk, some simple syrup. Uh, again, the, I think this is, it's very rare for me to go past three cups of coffee a, get, a day because I definitely feel the uh, the caffeine shakes and the anxiety. And uh, But, you know, I I feel a lot better doing that on coffee number four while doing this podcast because I can be a little bit more focused. If I'm alone with my thoughts, it'll just be, it it, it runs a, a worser course. But um, cheers to you, my friend. Really excited to finally do this. Likewise, I've been dreaming of this moment. Dreaming? <laughs> no. It's been a nightmare. I also have this uh, this uh, little seltzer, this Montpellier. Grapefruit. It is the Pamplemousse. The Pamplemousse. <laughs> that's such a like. That's such a wild, like translation from grapefruit to to French. It is, and as as what vast is as pample- my Spanish. As as vast as my Spanish abilities are, I think that the, the word grapefruit also in Spanish is nothing close to either grapefruit or pamplemousse. Mm. So it's like one of those weird words where uh, I don't know where they got it from. The, the, the Francos. <laughs> so before we get into the main kind of first intro questions, why do you hate cold brew? Because that's a very hot take. And I'm sure there's people starting to consider clicking off of this podcast. So I want to give you the floor to at least make your statement as as to do you think it's overrated, underrated? Like where where do you fall on the scale there? So it's not. I would not say it's overrated. Um, okay. I think that for most people, it's a great cup of coffee. 
But for me, because I do mostly like pour over coffees, when you make cold brew, you're not adding any heat. And so what that does to coffee is that it, it, it has a different reaction with releasing the CO2. I'm going to get real sciencey. It releases no, the CO2 differently from the coffee. When you make like a pour over, you do something called a bloom where you pour just a little bit of water on it. It blooms. It releases a lot of the gas that's, that's still trapped in the coffee beans after right. you've ground them and roasted them. So what that does is that initial bit of water from the bloom is the more acidic, fruity, like funkier tastes from the coffee. And then the rest of the pour over is kind of balancing the sweetness. Um, when you make cold brew, you don't get any of that. You literally right. just get the chocolatey, nutty sweetness. You get no acidity and not a lot of brightness unless you're doing a, a really crazy, funky coffee, which is another thing that I would like. Um, but most people are just like, put in the nutty blend and fucking just make it all chocolatey. I don't love that. So I I just like the complexity of doing the the pour over with the ice. It's a bit more work, but to me, it just it tastes way better. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so you know. I, I think hate is a strong word. Hate is if I'm going to bind and there's cold brew, I'm going to get cold brew. <laughs> like, of course. So more preference. Yeah, maybe Let's not say hate. That. Maybe it's uh, do not prefer. Exactly. It's a preference thing. It's not yeah. a straight up. Because at the end of the day, it's both coffee that's cold with ice. But it's just exactly made. same but different. It's The dilution is different. What are your thoughts on nitro cold brew versus regular? Is that a totally different ball game? Underrated. So it's good. underrated. So good. It's like it's like drinking an awesome Guinness with no alcohol and all virtually no calories. Yeah, it's true. Sick. It's very sick. Uh we have a we have a cold brew and nitro cold brew machine that we got at work and it's been dangerous for me to <laughs> leave work and not bring one of those home. So um I was strong but still went out and spent money anyways. But anything for Grayson. So, so Grayson, we, we've talked a little bit about Bev's, um, but I kind of, st- I'm supposed to start every interview normally with, especially for a new guest who comes on the show about their hardcore origin story, how they got kind of put on the path of either playing in bands, doing a podcast, whatever they're up to. So take me back in time to like the first shows you were going to, the first time you were hearing heavy music and how that kind of, that initial spark kind of happened for you. So I, I have a similar story to a guest you had on a few months ago, uh, Jesse, who plays in Abrasion and Momentum, uh, and he was talking about you know growing that's, up in church that's, and things. That's more than a few months ago. That's like the second episode of this season. Oh, so like January, right? <laughs> yeah, last <of> year. <laughs> Time is a son of a bitch. Yeah, um, yeah. So basically, I was I grew up very churchy. Uh, so I listened to a lot of skillet uh, people are going to laugh. Um, but that's the truth. And through, it was this weird channel on TV that used to come on like the Christian station after school. Um, it was called steel roots. And so there's like maybe like 2% of the people who listen to this are going to be like, I've heard of that, but Mm -hmm. they used to play like Norma Jean and under oath and people like, uh, dead poetic, um, just a lot of that like early metalcore and like kind of hardcore crossed over into Christian music. I don't know. It was weird. But when I was like 12, I would come home from school and watch that and saw like 
the first Under Oath album being played and like Norma Jean when it was like Josh Scoggin before he did The Chariot. So it was very much like that early Christian met well not I guess not early but like that cornerstone era yeah Christian metalcore and so the I started face, listening kind of yeah. like pre face down even a little bit like face yeah, down it was, existed but not when it was the four todays and the plea for purgings no no it would have been around that same time of like seven star yeah um which is basically Christian Zabalpa if you listen back <laughs> to it is very similar right um so a lot of like uh figure four like those bands especially there were a lot from california but then there were a lot from where i was from in georgia and in like alabama the carolinas so like advent was still it was early on but they were getting kind of big right uh beloved would have been huge at that time totally so that that was pretty much how i got in and then um it was actually i was listening to a lot of that and then found like sleeping giant things like that but it was when i actually got to like college i got out of my metalcore phase because i had a friend that was showing me like backtrack incendiary <laughs> like uh he showed me like slap shot so he like gave me this education through his like cd deck where obviously he would just put stuff in and that was kind of where i came in in like 2009 2010 where it was like he was just funneling you know what was hot and then kind of giving me the history of like yeah mongolich was like a big one foundation uh yeah, that early incendiary. So it was a lot of that. So it was like very metalcore, very Christcore, and then like deep drop off into uh, <laughs> into like straight hardcore from like a lot of Long Island and, and New York stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that it's... that was that's a long route to say you would go to local shows and it wasn't necessarily hardcore. It was a melange of whatever bands were playing, which yeah. I kind of missed that. You would just go to a show and hang out with your friends and see you know, four completely different bands. And then through one of them, you would find more music. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a jaded thing, but it is definitely when you've been around long enough to be like, oh, a, a, a mixed bill show. Because in the first few years of you discovering any type of DIY music, you're just stoked. It doesn't matter if it's a pop punk band, a death metal band, a thrash band and a folk artist all playing together it's just like right. kind of you're going out you're having a community you're making friends all that kind of things and now it's like this kind of thing like oh this build i got put together is just nothing but straight hardcore and then you kind of like can get a little um like am i gonna go to the show that has the one hardcore band on the bill um but yeah it's uh it's definitely you know, when when you don't know, it's just everything is just so like you just want to get your hands on or, or your ears as on as much as possible. So one one detail there that I guess, you know, I'm not sure how how much you've talked about in your own podcast. But so you grew up in in the States, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually originally from Savannah, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of what what kind of brought you up to being in Montreal? Did you live in a few places in between? Like when was like getting into hard because because that's always interesting to me where you can kind of grow up in mm -hmm. a specific scene and then either later in life, whether it's like a job or a partner or even just like serendipitously, like moving somewhere else and kind of getting a part of that other scene. Talk to me about that transition to you or was that not apparent until you moved up here? So the, the, there's like a bit of a weird journey because I I went to school in like Birmingham, which is where I learned a lot was really involved in that scene, have friends to this day, like from that scene. 
Um, and that was a crazy, like Gideon was huge. And then there was like a lot of Nashville bands that would come down, like take it back. Um, and, uh, like a plea for purging was really big. They kind of crossed over from like the death core. And, um, so like that was still like very big because the local scene was just hot. There were a lot mm-hmm. of great bands, um, and like a good tight scene. So for, for about two years there, like I was learning how to mosh basically like, cause it was either mosh or die um and so going from like savannah which was smaller and more tight-knit uh but just not so much like super violent i think the first hardcore show actually i was at my band was playing a show and the venue was double booked so we combined the shows and it's actually i saw agitator when tyler was still playing in the band that was like my first time interacting with like hardcore wow like like in a venue and that was like 2000 nine essentially wow do you know the whole lineup of that combined show i have no recollection i know (laughs) that we it was agitator and another philly band then they were they were on tour together um and they came through and like there was just some weird miscommunication but it was like a mostly local show and then that that bill (laughs) so it went from being like four bands to like seven bands starting at like 6 p.m so it was pretty crazy um but like that's when I saw like moshing, like real moshing and like people from out of town had come in. So the venue was packed. Um, so it was kind of like from there, went to Birmingham, found that scene, started getting really involved because I got bit by like the hardcore bug. And I was like, I'm not really into metalcore anymore, deathcore and stuff like that. I really like want to invest in this because it's a different mindset and attitude. Um, and so from there, I went back to Savannah and basically the scene was kind of weird at the time because i'd been gone and so i still had friends that were there booking shows so i'd go to like some bigger stuff but there was a time where like i wasn't going to any shows at all because i was just busy with like personal stuff Mm. and so between that i I lived in charleston for a time and there was almost no shows except for this one place called Corey's grilled cheese Corey's grilled cheese which i never went to but i always saw like bands coming through and Mm. i just couldn't make it to shows because I worked on the weekends. But when I came to Montreal, it was through my wife's job and she got hired because she works in like the film industry. Gotcha. And uh, we moved up like within two weeks notice of her getting the job, packed everything, drove up, had never heard, like didn't know anything about Montreal, didn't know anything about living in Canada. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they speak English there. Psych. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so it was cool. Like, moving to a different city, kind of learning how everything works. Um, and it, it took me a while to like finally find the scene here uh, because at that time, and a lot of people will attest, like there was maybe like three or four active Montreal bands. Mm-hmm. Um, like Harriers was was like probably the main one. Prowl was around, um, but it was just kind of a lull in the scene. And so one of the first shows I went to was Jesus Peace uh, in Fuming Mouth. And there was like boundaries before they changed them to don't try. They played. So the, the boundaries Quebec and then thrush, which is now a, a, not a band, but those members have gone on to do other things. Uh, right. That band cross check the guitarist plays in that band. Oh, um, okay, cool. But he was the vocal anyway. So I saw, I met a bunch of people at that show. Like, thank God, because I was about to like freak out if I didn't start going to hardcore shows again. And so through that, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So even during the pandemic, like those friends that I met, like whenever it was safe, we would have like cookouts or we would meet up at the park and like mm -hmm. we would do things together uh, until there were shows again. And then once so what, shows started So what year did you, did you officially move? 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it took like... me a solid year to like find the scene here. Mm. Yeah. Which like, you know, depending on like how big it is, like it still happens nowadays where it's mm -hmm. like, I'll get DMs from people on the scoped account being like, how do I keep up with what's going on in Calgary? Cause I'm only following you or, or someone that I'm like forwarding them a, a few accounts. <laughs> um, you know, some people are, it's, it's almost like, it's kind of a weird thing because back in the day when you had to just like look at posters on like a telephone pole or like, you know, read about it in a zine or talk, like talk to the one person that knew of all the shows that were happening. And, you know, this is before fucking GPS and all that. And like, <laughs> I, like some people, like I consider myself on in more old head uh, territory than I am like a young hardcore um, like kid, but I, like I'm still of the era of like, you know, not having to do much of that through the internet, but like, there's almost mm -hmm. like so much happening depending on certain scenes. And if it's not very clear, like you're a part of, if you're a part of this scene and you want to know that shows are happening, here are the things like, you know, like even like face Facebook groups for like certain, at least Western Canada scenes were like the place. And now they're like, just spam areas mm -hmm. for literally anything so it's kind of funny how the ebbs and flows change as far as the information hardcore highway right like and then even moving to this the scene here is you know predominantly francophone which makes sense because we live in quebec mm -hmm. so even on facebook trying to navigate to finding those groups and figuring out what the post said because i moved here with zero french like <laughs> understanding right. at all um so even trying to get involved and like figure out like you know it was just extra work to try to translate all that stuff and it was kind of um kind of discouraging for a time because i had a lot of work i was traveling a lot for work as well so it was like a 50 50 kind of kind of mm -hmm. thing like not having the time to find it and then having to go through like extra steps to like <laughs> really hunt for it <laughs> yeah like a whole ass language so right. um it but, is very you know, humbling yeah. as a Canadian when you are in Montreal, where you're like, "Oh, we are second in line when it comes to, you know, the the spoken." Can I tell you about the first time that um, my first time in Montreal? Please do. A very quick story. Um, it was there. It was right after high school. My dad was doing like a charity golf tournament. He needed like a caddy, and I was just like, "Free trip to Montreal, sure." So we went, um, he had like a business call. Um, and so I went to, uh, so this is for all the Montreal listeners. I went to this place called the Archambeau, which you've, you probably know of. So it's essentially for those that don't know, it's like a whole street blocks worth of a music store, record store, like literally anything that you want mm -hmm. music wise, it's there. Um, there's four levels. So me as like a fresh 17, 18 year old kid, that loves music i'm just like i spent like three hours in there by myself just fucking going around and then i was walking back to the hotel that we were staying at someone stopped me on the street started speaking very very fast french and i immediately was like oh sorry i don't i, I only speak english and then they were like oh that's okay do you know where blah 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 is and i was like 
oh no, I'm not from here. And then I could see her visible frustration. Like I let her down twice within the span <laughs> of like 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm like really the tourist in, uh, in this kind of city. So, um, but yeah, I, I never thought about it from that sense where you're moving to another scene and there's like, you know, a bit of a, like an extra, like the main language that's spoken is a bit of a barrier as far as like just figuring out like when things are happening and, and what is happening. Right. And then so, it's like the daunting task of finding, like going to shows and like, you know, I, I think I'm a very like puppy dog kind of person where it's like, I'm very social as soon as we say hi, like we're friends. Yeah. But even going like to shows and like just trying to like meet new people. So, you know, being a mosher, you immediately, you stand on the side of the pit, you start not prove yourself, but prove yourself. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. people want to see that you're down. And so it's like through things like that, but even here, it's like making sure that you're not moshing too hard, you know, coming from the States, like we're not nice, like in the pit. <laughs> so like kind of feeling it out where it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe don't, immediately start spin kicking people on the side like right. <laughs> so it's just like the nuances of that which if i mean if you've been in the scene long enough in the scene then you kind of know like read the room you know make the right decisions and just right. feel it out it's very funny to see in my opinion the goaded moshers of the the global hardcore scene where they have to like if if them at a fest in their prime is like level 10 they have to be at like level three when they're band or they're on tour in like Japan mm -hmm. and they're like, I don't want to, I don't want Corey from move to fucking spin kick this, like, you know, Japanese kid. And they're just like, you know, like, yeah, obliterated. Like, yeah. But there's different things where like, I've heard in that same example where he like does turn it up for like a certain band or a certain set and people are stoked to be knocked out by Corey from move. So um, I do think that there is an, an aspect of like reading the room for sure, especially when mm -hmm. you're playing those festivals that have definitely like certain bands that are like, this is the palate cleanser. You know, maybe there's some stage diving, you know, some, someone's got to break the ice at the end of the day, but at the same time, don't break the ice when there isn't any ice to break, if you know what I mean. Yes, that's, that's a hell of a statement. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, just force you know, the ice breaking, just force just, it, just, just an ice pick, just fucking slam dunk. Make it happen. So, um, I want to get into you starting, um, your podcast, but I'm going to hit you with like the more hard hitting philosophical question. Um, beans and breakdown is in your words, as far as when I'm looking at your Instagrams and your socials is a podcast about the bridge bridging the gap between uh specialty coffee and and heavy music is that venture something that you feel like is already there and you're educating people what that gap is or is it kind of like i'm finding the discovery of that through all these discussions with people that like coffee and and the core where's your mind go with that so initially it was kind of taking two uh two kind of subcultures that do have a lot of maybe elitism and gatekeeping surrounding them 
and being like, look at these two things that a lot of people both like. If you put them together, you can find common ground on pretty much anything. Everybody likes coffee or 80%, 85% of humans like coffee. There's a good majority of those people that also like metal, hardcore, punk. Um, And saying heavy music is just really about kind of being as inclusive as you can because it's finding those crossovers into like, I play in a punk band, but I love Sick of It All, or I love like, you know, Biohazard or like some old New York hardcore shit or like youth group. And so like, it's really about finding common ground where somebody listening to maybe more of the hardcore episodes, they stumble across another one that's like, oh, I've heard of this band, but like, it looks punk or it looks really metal. But talking to those people and not just talking to like a band is finding about like, how did they get to where they are and what are the bands that they you know, listen to when they're not on stage playing mm. whatever genre they're in. And so it kind of goes between like the coffee is more about like opening it up because you share a cup of coffee with somebody. You can talk about the coffee. You can be like, what do you think about this? Whatever your knowledge level is. So some of it is about like bridging a gap and, and making it like more noticeable, but there already is like a bridge there. And mm. so for some people it's about talking and learning, whether it's about music or especially about coffee. Like I love having nerdy coffee guests on like one very notable conversation I had was with, uh, Paul from between the berry to me, which is like, if you've been in any kind of like metalcore, deathcore scene for a long time, like before there was Prague, <laughs> there was like colors from between the berry to me. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so before there was jazz metal prog, there was mm-hmm. that album. And anybody, any old head that you're like, oh, between the berry to me, they're like, I love that album, Colors. That's always the answer. So right. having him on, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, we want to hear about the new album or we want to hear about this. He talked for almost an hour about roasting coffee. Mm. It's 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 more like having conversations like that where it's like people expect something of this person but what are they really about? And so I think it's more about bridging the gap between like a coffee person to maybe they like some weird, obscure metal adjacent band, but you know, you can talk about that and find something in there. So that's kind of where it was. A lot of it was boredom and <laughs> I needed to find something to do before I went crazy right. in the pandemic. Cause, but, Cause yeah, it was kind of during pandemic lockdown times or were yeah. you thinking about it even prior to that? Or was that like a, like a stew that was just brewing within like the first month of the pandemic i was like i should maybe do a podcast because i was spending like a lot of time just listening to podcasts mm-hmm. uh vox and hops was another big one that i was listening to which is montreal based but very metal mm-hmm. and i was like there's nothing like this really for like you know where, where my background is like i think you had some episodes out but i don't think it was cranking as much as like uh scope um vox and hops was doing like three episodes four episodes a week yeah and then he started doing live meetups like during the pandemic so it was kind of from that like talking to people i was like oh it'd be cool to do this so for almost a year i was like trying to get the idea together yeah like i think vox like correct me if i'm wrong vox and hops um i know the dude that runs it is like in cryptopsy and does like music stuff but like it's just a podcast right yeah, it's just in beer collabs. But oh, he started right. doing like shows and things like that. But, yeah. but he doesn't do film or anything. Yeah, because our, our pod is interesting because it was almost like, 
I credit, like, I, I think of it as the thing that kind of almost save scope to a degree because we had things going at the very end of 2019 and i think we're doing like maybe an episode a week you know and we were doing everything in person so it was just Mm -hmm. people local to calgary the odd time someone be coming through we like do a podcast with mitch from low end in the back of their trailer or like (laughs) things like that um, but then when COVID happened, it was like, oh, we have to transition to doing it this way, even just temporarily, but it just opened the gates. And once we ran out of live sets to post, it was like, I think we were doing three a week at some point. Yeah. And like, again, just had all the time in the world to be able to run a full show <laughs> at that maximum. But like, you know, even now it's been like, you know, like I had to have a realization it was like, this podcast is like, it it needs to be like one, maybe two a week at most, um, mm-hmm. because it's just like too much else. But um yeah, I, I think it's Vox and Hops for sure is like when it comes to the um the craft beer side of things. I'm not like super deep into listening to that show for myself, but like anytime I have seen like, you know, the dudes in Wake from Calgary, I'm like, oh, I want to listen to that or someone else. Right. He's very good at, at, at what he does. And I think, just correct me if I'm wrong, you saw that and just wanted to do a version of that, but with coffee instead of the craft beer. Yeah, and it was around the time that And something I that started... was way more punk and hardcore leaning. Yeah, well. definitely something more like hardcore. Like I was actually listening to, I had gotten into like more metalcore at the time too, but like it was, it was more like I have all this time I was getting back into coffee. So I was like learning a lot and I really just wanted to like talk to people about the things that I liked that we had in common. And so it, that it was kind of inspired by the craft beer. Cause it, you can't just like talking about just music is very daunting to me. Like if I'm just having musicians on, I, I want to have like some kind of uh, like lubricant to get the the conversation flowing so i feel right. like coffee was like for me that's that's what i like to i like to share a cup of coffee with people and talk so yeah that so, was more about the idea with the uh between the buried and me guest as an example when you're going into a conversation with someone are you trying to keep it as coffee focused as possible or are you trying to find that healthy middle ground between talking about the bands and that um it's it's a middle ground thing for sure. Like I had, uh, I've had people come on that, that don't drink coffee at all. Like, what are you drinking? Water. Okay, cool. Like, you what do you usually like beans? to drink instead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're, you got one and one of the two ingredients needed for making a cup. Um, right. But like, you know, it, it's just, it is interesting to even talk to certain people. Like, why don't you like coffee? Or is there a time that you did like, uh, goose, Gustavo from Omerta, he was like, I used to drink coffee all the time. I loved coffee, but the caffeine was interacting with me bad. So he has like, you know, it's it's just hearing about like, well, what happened? Or like, you know, what's going on? Is there something you'd like to try? I had Kyle from Gavel come on and drink an iced cap that was melted. Like it was like six hours old. <laughs> and I was like, dude, we talked about this. <laughs> Shout out Gavel. <laughs> Shout out Gavel. That's always like that's always the thing. Like some like we just had uh we just did an episode with Joe Hardcore 
And I usually, for the edge men who come on the podcast, I usually don't try to drink a like a like a beer on the show out of just like mutual respect. But I had no other like my bed fridge was very lean, and I was like, <laughs> well, I have this you know pale ale, and literally checked it, and he's like, well, I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> nice, um, <laughs> through and through, <laughs> through and through. I mean, like, I will say the ice cap. Red Eye. I don't know if you've had that before. No. <laughs> I, see, I see the defeat on your, on your face. I mean, so I'm like, because the wheels are turning, I, I, I know it, it's got to be an ice cap with a shot of espresso dumped in it, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if, okay. Just to, just to defend all the ice cap drinkers out there, um, I feel like that's just the only way that I can do my ice cap now. I can't do it with like... <laughs> just the milk and like it that is the closest thing to a real deal coffee drink at tim horns in my opinion i'm with you so when, when i'm when i'm doing tim's it, it's like a last ditch effort right mm-hmm. like that's it's you're on you know you're on the 401 like in in like port hope or some shit like that right you are falling asleep at the wheel and you're like i gotta hit this on route yeah so you you get on the on route um, don't forget to get it with oat milk because you will shit yourself if you yes. don't. Um, but I will say that lives have been saved by <laughs> Tim Hortons. <laughs> so like I, I do have, I have two trips to Toronto, like back to back weekends coming up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, one of them is, is like at night. So I'm going to be like, oh, maybe, you know what? I might do the ice cap red eye. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I'm, I might take, I might do it. I'm not. Okay. I don't hate don't the knock ice it cap. until you try it. I don't hate the ice cap, honestly. I think it's it's way better than a frappuccino. Yes. Oh, a, a frappuccino is just a dessert, dr- like, just a dessert drink. Mm-hmm. It's not a drink. It's a dessert. It's a cake in a in a in a plastic cup. It is. It's it's it has ruined coffee culture in suburban America. Starbucks has ruined. It's ruined so many things in coffee culture, and I and I will die on the hill. Like working at a coffee shop, and then some seventeen-year-old girl comes in and says, "Can I have a a caramel frap? Uh, no, no, uh, ice caramel macchiato. A a, a a caramel macchiato." And I'm like, yeah. "You realize you're asking for an espresso cup with foam on top, and just being like this dumbfounded, like that's not what it is." I'm like, "Well, I can do a caramel latte, which is like." still hella sweet like yeah i would not touch that with a 10-foot pole um but yeah there there have been times where i have to educate people because starbucks has poisoned the minds of of so many you know coffee drinkers out there we're we're off the rails here i'm like where were we, where were we in this conversation we oh, are <laughs> the okay so using it at using the coffee element as your way but i do like that visual of like you know, when you're wanting to either get to know someone or just kind of catch up, you go for coffee, you sit down mm-hmm. and, you know, you're just doing that with a fancy microphone in front of you, doing it over Zoom. And I think that's a very wholesome and uh, just very authentic way of, of being able to intro- introduce. Um, and I think it's very important to allow the guest if, you know, the dude from Between the Bear and Amina is like, I've done enough podcasts about this. I'm very excited just to talk about this other part of my life. Yeah. Well, because he he runs a coffee roaster in Charlotte. That's he's also very connected with that roasting community. 
Um, so it's cool to be like, you're not just a dude who plays guitar in a mm-hmm. legend level, you know, metal band. Like you, right. you have this whole other world that you're involved in. Um, and so it's, it's very cool for, not just for me to hear how stoked he is about, you know, what he does when he's not on the road, not touring and playing shows, but, um, having other people that are a fan of his that are like, Oh, well maybe I should check this out because you know, this sounds very cool. Like copy sounds cool. Or it's just, you know, you never know who's going to like hear it and want to learn more or want to know more. Um, and so giving him the space to be like, this is what I'm about is enjoyable for everyone. (laughs) Right. That's, that's basically what it is. It's, it's, it's less of like an interview, like, uh, you know, investigative journalism and more about like, what do you want to talk about? Like, it's just a chill kind of conversation more Mm -hmm. or less where you find things out about somebody you've never met. (laughs) Totally. Um, so when you're doing your, your, uh, I guess like your, your guest, searching like efforts like are there because there are definitely some people who are like who are the lumpies who are like they have their own dedicated coffee account shout out coffee guy 1990 um but then there's other people that you know you have to it's it's if you know you know kind of thing so when you're thinking about new guests and and like you said there's it's not like beans and breakdown only is like all these coffee nuts. Like I, I do like you kind of going down the rabbit hole of being able to talk to someone in a sick band and seeing what their relationship is um, past present uh, on coffee. But how do you like kind of seek after some of that? Um, do you have any like sin- hidden tricks of being able to kind of find out who's, who's about the beans and who's not? So there, there's a, there's an algorithm. Um, to it and like my wife is is also very good at it she helps me with a lot of my uh technical shortcomings um (laughs) but uh it's it's like you know you see a band is like doing something cool most of the time and then it's like oh who in this band is the coffee person so you 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 think every band has a coffee person it's it's never fails okay never it never fails i have even sent like personal like just dms to abandonment like who's your coffee person <laughs> just cold dm yeah if i can't find, if you can't find somebody be like hey like i want to talk about this ep but like who's your coffee person and then oh okay so there's that and then it's like you know you have a guest on that's like oh you should talk to like this person or this person because totally, they're totally. they're like the one in the coffee chat mm-hmm. so and then yeah it is so some of it's word of mouth some of it's using that that uh, coffee guy algorithm. And then, you know, sometimes it's like people are stoked and want to talk to the podcast because they like coffee. Totally. Yeah. So we've had some of those too, um, which is cool. Cause that means that they like the podcast. <laughs> yeah. They're already invested. And that, yeah. that definitely helps when people are like, they know the flow of everything versus like, you have to kind of like kind of bring them up to speed on what that's <laughs> happening. And usually the bigger of the guest more time that means you have to kind of bring them up to speed minute it mid interview. Yeah. So. It's daunting. Yeah. Um, but that is funny just to be like, because coffee is that thing that is so common in our culture nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. where you could ask any band to be like, hey, who's your coffee person? And like 
it sounds like you've had no like, oh, sorry, we're all like, we like iced tea or like anything weird like that. Right. Uh, I haven't had, so I've had certain people that like I did want to talk to just because mm-hmm. I've either like heard something interesting they said like on a podcast or like I've seen like a video of them doing so like it, it sometimes there's like certain people that I'm like that, that person's it, they're like a, a celebrity in the scene. So like sometimes maybe they're not in the coffee, but it's interesting to be like, well, what, what do you drink? <laughs> like you don't drink coffee. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing is what hard lore would probably say. <laughs> so it's just, it is interesting to be like, well, if you're not into it, then why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like in a not like in a judgy way, like in a in a truly sincere because it's like I have tried to not drink coffee and it's very difficult. Have you have you done that in the sense of like trying to have like I'm not gonna drink it for a week, or like have there been times where you're like trying to cut it out altogether? Uh I've never tried to like cut it out altogether. Uh because I I don't like I like the idea of moderation, but there's been times where like you know, I have gone overboard for a time where I was like really trying to figure out how to brew or like wanted to try a lot of different stuff. Mm. And it's like five coffees and I'm like sitting on the couch like, why the fuck am I all tweaked out? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I had five coffees. And so, I mean nothing to kind of right. suck up all that, all that juice. I had yeah. five coffees and three cookies. Like <laughs> that's not going to do it. Um, so yeah, like I, it's, it's more about like setting a boundary, but mm. <clears throat> there's definitely been times like, traveling or um just like inaccessibility maybe where like i can definitely feel like my body needs it and not drinking it sucks so it's literally the next day i'm like i gotta drink a cup of coffee or i don't want to feel like that for two days in a row (laughs) so this is a question that i I don't want to get like too uh like I, there's definitely some coffee questions that I still have, but I'm, this is a, maybe a little precursor into the stuff we're talking about when it comes to Bruiser Wade and, and, and band stuff. Uh, I've heard from people cause you know, I dropped on, on your podcast that, you know, I'm, I'm singing an end game now. And one of those things, as far as like trying to practice up and get those things is like, I can't, I can feel when I have coffee and how that's affecting my vocals. Do mm-hmm. you find that same struggle? I can't imagine what that does to you as like the coffee aficionado of Canadian hardcore and, and being a okay. vocalist at the same time. So, yeah. So like caffeine is definitely not good for doing vocals at all. Like it's, mm. it's really, really any kind of vocal singing or screaming anything. It's bad. Like it coats your, um, your vocal cords in like a, a bad way. So it doesn't really allow them to like move in a, in a good way. I don't know how to, I'm not a scientist. Um, I just <laughs> I'm know a this coffee from scientist, like, not a real human. I just know this from like taking singing lessons, like from like ages ago, and right. don't drink coffee or don't have caffeine, you know, the day before. Um, so it's basically like finding a way to, like, your cutoff should be, you know, like if you know you have to do vocals at night. I usually just cut it off at like in the afternoon. Hmm. But at this point, like, I have a routine that I've been doing, like two coffees a day i just do one in the morning one in the afternoon that i think the rhythm of like my body is probably used to it as well but yeah it definitely affects you like i I don't have a 
I just kind of deal with it. <laughs> is the answer. I tough like, it out. <laughs> yeah, I just grit my teeth and pull myself up by my bootstraps like a good right. American. <laughs> like a good old American. Yeah, like um, a good American. Yeah. What's uh? I don't know. What is your coffee routine order? What do you try? Like, what's what is the the normalcy of uh of your caffeine intake? Um, usually it's like between nine and ten. I have a nice pour over, nice little, uh, and it's usually a fruitier, funkier coffee. Um, and then in the afternoon after lunch, so usually two or so, one more. But I only do the most I do is like 300 milliliters. I don't do oh, above that. Okay. So hmm. it's like 18 grams of coffee in uh, 300 milliliters of water. Good single cup of coffee sometimes i do 250 so that's even better because you kind of you go through it and then you feel you know good and then you have less caffeine more health more health. big big health <laughs> we're big we're big health more big, here more big health <laughs> yeah so um going back to uh some of the the podcast stuff um it's very apparent that at least from like the people that I've seen on your roster, um, you know, you're very focused on like, you know, doing that as a part of like giving back and documenting the stuff that's happening in Montreal. So was that like a mission, like right out the get go when you were starting or it was like, these are the people that I just have the closest connections to versus trying to hit up like the, the, the bigger people like Lumpy or, or anyone else straight out the get go. Like why, why was it important to you specifically to, to have that kind of as, as a something to, to center around the podcast? Um, initially it was, I started just talking to people that I knew. Um, and I started reaching for, like people outside of my scene, obviously like people who were in a bit bigger bands. But when we started having shows again, we got this crazy surge of bands um, towards the end of like 2022. There were, there's probably 10 new bands like post pandemic. And so um, seeing the, the surge and kind of explosion that was happening and being a part of it and meeting all of those people and becoming friends it was just like, I want to do as much as I can while these bands are here and while they're playing, like, let's talk, let's figure out like what's going on here and, and why these people are playing in hardcore, why they started the band when they did um, and why it's not an old band. Like, why is it this lineup of people? So it was basically like seeing this kind of big boom being in the middle of it and just being like, like, this is hot. Like, this is cool. And this moment is important. And so I think we do need to like put something down so that it doesn't kind of get lost because mm -hmm. now we have easy ways to document things. Like we have videos, we have people now in Montreal that are coming to every show they can and like trying to take videos and things, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, so just, I think people before the pandemic didn't realize how important it was going to be to like have those things archived because yeah. it can go away in a matter of days. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. This is this is more than just a cool Instagram story from like, oh, look at my weekend. It's like the people that kind of take the extra step to do something that requires way more work um, 
have there's indefinite like payoffs um so again that could be anything from a podcast to doing photos a zine video and it's definitely like it we're in a very like awesome time right now like no, no matter where anyone is listening to this like it seems like every scene is having that like post pandemic boom and mm-hmm. like with er- with every boom there's going to be some kind of like drop off and i think it's very important to uplift the people that are like active in that like in that like a bunch of new bands all at the same time and like there'll be that cross reference when you know like there are people that think about like oh like when this shit goes back to like you know 50 people in a room or like whatever it is um and am i and that's definitely a possibility and mm-hmm. like i i've been going to shows for fucking forever at this point and i've been a part of that reality but my hope is that the people that are like getting involved in something whether it's booking shows doing anything any of the things that i had said before they continue to do it past the point of it being like like cool like past mm-hmm. the the tourism like window whether that's like you know, a two year thing or whatever. But, you know, I think this is like for people that have been in the shit for a long time, it's like really cool to see us have a, a bit of a moment and that's connected to so many different variables. Um, you know, so I, I think it's just like it's very it's very cool to see you kind of doing that for your scene in Montreal and just like all the things that are happening there, like like everything from Montreal Madhouse to like Prowl being in my opinion, finally getting the the roses that I think that band has always deserved seeing that like filming them for the first time. I think they're, they were the first Eastern Canada band that went on the channel. And I think that was like 2017 and to see them finally like fucking just killing it out in Europe and like getting all these opportunities. It's just like, it's just, it's very cool to be a small part of being able to, cross-examine all those things and be a part of that history yeah and that's i think that's what it comes down to is being able to you know this moment is right now like let's let's do the most we can with what we have and then you know if there's a drop-off there's a drop-off but we'll have at least gained some more you know some more core people Mm -hmm. but it's also about being in a scene so like when you're a part of like that diy community if you have something that you have like an outlet, then you should always do it for your friends. So, you know, even if you have these bigger guests, like what you were saying, like, you know, people from international and the States and stuff, that's great. But the people who you're really going to get the most appreciation from, and there's like, there's a one hand washes the other kind of attitude where I take care of you, you take care of me. We're in this together. So doing that for Montreal is important because I'm not from here. Like I am, I could be considered, you know, a tourist. You know what I mean? Like I don't speak French. I'm, I've been here for five years. Um, I've been in the scene from right before the pandemic and the immediate like hospitality and welcome that I was shown when I just started going to shows and like people making me feel like I was welcome, even though I'm not from here, but because I wanted to be a part of it and wanted to be involved, like I'm extremely appreciative. Like there's there's certain people that I met the first show I went to uh, in Montreal. I think 
like after the pandemic was under the bridge and like those people were so nice to me like and they mosh like they're 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 in it um and so just being able to like do everything i can to make montreal people know what's going on here and and know about these bands even in my whatever reach i have is is very important to me mm-hmm. because we're world, we're world class baby montreal worldwide <laughs> listen y'all might know about prow okay but y'all know about you know offside offside rips that new mm-hmm. ep fucking amazing like there's bands here that are insanely good scaramanga come on like we've got world class music and so just i feel like i didn't know anything about montreal and a lot of people don't know anything about montreal because it's that weird you know canadian city that speaks french like right. there's so much more to it and there's so many more people from not just in montreal or quebec but from all over that move here that make it like such a vibrant scene and community so totally really just doing what i can to like broadcast like hey like we've got some cool shit going on mm-hmm. and we welcome everybody that's basically the gist of why i i focused as much as i could on those montreal bands yeah i think it's like i think it's with anything in life like the more that you travel and you experience new cities and new cultures like you realize like how little you actually know about the how things work or or the world Mm -hmm. in general and i think that applies to hardcore like if you just stay within your scene and maybe go to the one dope fest and like you know go to this is hardcore sound fury that's great and like continue to go to shows but like i i get nerdy about like going and 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 i've had the pleasure of like with scoped to be able to go cover like some smaller scenes and smaller festivals but then get to kind of talk with people and learn the the complexities and the different things about that like i think about uh when we just did our our listen up series for for june uh we had kyle from smoke signals which is a band in in st john and just to mm-hmm. talk and learn so much about like their struggles of being like a like a true Eastern Canada yes. like you know band like an Atlantic hardcore band, um, I got so many messages from people being like, "You you need to have that guy on for a full interview because there's like so much to break down there." And I think you know being in Ontario now, like and seeing how the scene operates here and how like how like the there's so many things happening at all once. It's almost a little like overwhelming versus what we have out West. Um, But yeah, whether you're able to document that through, you know, talking about it or doing something like that, like I think it really helps educate people where, you know, maybe they just don't have that access to be able to, you know, a lot of people, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way. They're like, I, I can't remember who it was. Someone was on, our podcast and and afterwards was like hey how do you do this and i immediately went into the technical like oh yeah i use this microphone they're like no how do you talk to someone and keep it engaging for two hours I'm like <laughs> oh i'm just it's what i don't know i'm just natural for me because i'm like genuinely curious about like learning all these things and you know mm-hmm. we're doing that here today with some fucking joe so some joe yeah some montelier yeah um, few other coffee questions, Grayson. Um, what's the worst coffee term that exists in your opinion? 
what's like the thing that you're like any like when people are describing something or it's an order or like anything okay. that is within coffee like boils your blood to no end full-bodied why um because it's not a tasting note <laughs> and people <laughs> use it as a tasting note <laughs> full-bodied is a valid explanation of texture when you're describing maybe espresso um especially traditional espresso mm-hmm. but calling espresso full-bodied and when 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 you're asked what kind of taste do you like in your coffee and replying full-bodied that literally tells me nothing like <laughs> and anybody in coffee that disagrees with me please send me a message and explain to me what full-bodied tastes like <laughs> So I can tell you you're wrong. It's not even that. It's just I was, I really, really want to know why this term is so commonly used by normies that don't know anything. And this is I'm being very, very elitist right now, and I apologize. <laughs> but I want to know what full-bodied is. Gatekeep it up, Jason. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to I, do that. I want I to love, be that guy. <laughs> I love accessibility. I think that. But if Hardcore you say full and coffee should be for everyone, but don't say full bodied. Don't, don't say full bodied. Acting like you think you know, like it's just there's variables there. But okay, full full bodied is my number one most hated term. And I think my second one, my second one is refresher. Don't ever come at me with the term refresher. <laughs> it like can you use it in a sentence so I understand it a little bit more? Yeah, Starbucks has mango dragon fruit refreshers. Oh. It's like a tea shaken tea thing. Starbucks is not a coffee shop anymore. It's a tea shop. Don't. Let's, yeah. Let's get it. Let's set it straight. Let's <laughs> let's set it straight. <laughs> Tim's is a Timothy Horton is all about serving you Canada's finest dirt. Starbucks <laughs> is about fancy tea drinks with a weird nitro espresso bar or nitro cold brew bar. Yeah. Uh. For. You know, and you can probably speak to some American chains. What's the what's the one that you feel like doesn't get the coffee pass? What is too? They don't get like they don't get the coffee pass. What do you mean? Well, like, like you said, like Starbucks shouldn't be considered a coffee shop; it's a tea shop. Who is the American okay. version of that? I guess Starbucks is. Well, yeah, Starbucks is American. Starbucks, a hundred percent, is they're they're number one worldwide. Yeah. Star- cancel Starbucks worldwide. That's. <laughs> hashtag it put it out on on instagram um hashtag I would, not my bucks there you go <laughs> that's a good one um <laughs> oh, if there's not I'm, a beans and breakdown shirt that says not my bucks made i'm gonna cancel you check us out i'll hold your ground um <laughs> <laughs> um so i would say the the second one so I don't have gripes with Duncan. Um, I think that Duncan actually roasts their coffee to a good place, and then they put like a bunch of syrups. But they know what they're doing. Like they know they need to roast a certain way to to counteract the syrupy taste. Um, okay. Don't have gripes with Duncan. Legacy, legacy brand. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of one that just really, you know, toughs my hide. <laughs> toughs my hide. <laughs> Yeah, I would say 
Oh man, I'm gonna get in so much shit. I would say Starbucks. I'm not gonna. I don't want to go because okay. there's people from we'll all over. There's like these regional ones that like maybe don't have great coffee, but culturally they're significant. Okay. Um, like in in where I'm from, we have Waffle House. Mm-hmm. I was just having this conversation the other day. Waffle House is like, it's amazing because depending on what time of day you're there, you're gonna get a completely different experience. <laughs> it's insane. Um. My first co- waffle, my first and only waffle house experience was not great. I think we were there at like 11 p.m. at night. I think this is also pre-diagnosed Spencer to Crohn's disease, so I was just like having the worst reaction with nice. potentially just bad, bad food. But I, I've heard that before, where it's like it's, it's a high risk, high reward kind of cuisine experience. So you were there a bit early. You gotta the sweet spot is really like midnight to 2 a.m okay i would say that's when it's probably the most active um the coffee is so bad like horrible (laughs) they've never cleaned it they've never cleaned the coffee maker it's like one of those old bun like what do you have hun kind of coffee pots um it's terrible but the feeling of nostalgia that is able to invoke where it's like just shit it's so bad but you get it in like the sick mug with like the Waffle House and the American flag and like a, maybe a, a troop or something. So, you know, like it's that classic like diner with like an all-star special with like your hash browns with all the top. Like it's crazy. Mm. Um, I would say that I would like that's great, but the coffee's horrible. And there's a lot of those like they're, they're all over. I'd say maybe IHOP. IHOP the coffee is just inexcusably bad and IHOP as a whole is terrible. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll we'll say IHOP, not a, not an IHOP guy. Um, so one of the last coffee related questions, and then I want to move on to bruiser weight. Um, what in your opinion is the perfect pairing to a perfect cup of coffee? And so I'm thinking like pastry wise, what is when you're going to dream coffee spot, what is the perfect complement of a sweet or savory thing um to combine that perfect morning for you man this is so difficult we asked the hard questions here yeah this is hard-hitting journalism here (laughs) um you know because because right now where i live you know the french influence is clear clearly top notch um i've been on a like a chocolatin like it's uh for those of you that don't parlay francais it's a (laughs) it's like a very flaky croissant kind of rolled rolled around with chocolate like dark decadent chocolate like baked into the center right and so when you get it like fresh you bite in it's warm it's flaky it's airy and then you just get this rich chocolatey like burst. It's so good. Um, so counteracted with like a nice, you know, single origin, natural processed coffee. The flavors go crazy. Mm. We'll just say that. I would yeah. say that. And then that in the after, like afternoon, afternoon vegan brownie. Okay. Vegan like brownie. Rich, rich vegan brownie. Yeah. Anywhere specific that you're wanting to get that vegan brownie from. Nah, it's you can pretty much find them 
at all places here. There's a, I think at Cafe Pista, they have a really good vegan brownie. Okay. That's that's probably my favorite. And I like that spot a lot. I keep trying to tell people to go there when they play at, at Foof's here. Mm-hmm. Nobody listens to me. <laughs> no. But it's Listen good. to Grayson. They're... He knows the coffee and the coffee sweets to match. It's because of Alec and Alice. So these the Alec and Alice from Cloned Apparition, mm-hmm. um, they they're like the go-tos for all the people because they're friends with all the children in bands that are touring because adults can't tour anymore. Um, <laughs> so all of the children that come through to play, they they meet Alice and Alec, and their spot is a block over, and it's called Piccolo. Oh. And so we so have this constant back and forth. Potential... Yes. Oh, okay. And Piccolo, so Piccolo, my only gripe is they don't roast. They they are a shop for Myriad. Yeah. Uh, Pista roasts, and I think aesthetically it's a nicer shop. That's just me. I don't want to get in a turf war with. No, know. no, no. But I totally agree with you that like, if it's a place that's like we roasted this, this is our shit versus we brought this in from blah blah blah, like. There are some, like there are some coffee shops that I've been to across Canada where it's like, oh, you have beans from so and so, that's good, but it like it's a step above when it's like, oh, this everything is like, this is this is our statement when it comes to mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, it's very hard for me to not ignore a place that is has roastery attached to it. So, yeah, I had somebody ask me recently what my favorite roaster in Montreal was. And I almost had a stroke because there's too many <laughs> and I can't, I can't like name my favorite, a favorite roaster. I was like, what neighborhood? And they were like, what? I think something that if I could give you a challenge, I think as beans and breakdowns grows, and I, I definitely want to see that project keep growing and evolving. I think you need to make a master roaster like like across Canada list. And I think you need to do some traveling with Nancy. Yep. Yep. Hit up all of Western Canada, hit up all the roasters. Like I'll send you some shit. But like right. I think if you can go to like the Phil and Sebastian's and like see the operation in Calgary, like that is where you'll get the true experience. But I think if you had a master list, that would just be something I hand to any band who's like, we want to tour Canada, but we don't know the coffee spots. And be like, bam, here's the this is the this is definitely something that that Nancy and I have talked about mm. is like talking with bands. And then when a band is like my favorite spot in Tucson, Arizona is this, then bam, we have a map. So there, there's definitely, I accept the challenge. I just need okay. to find <laughs> an app developer that I can afford to help me. <laughs> Dude, we will, we will figure it out. This could be a year long project. could be a five year, but clip this part of the podcast and cut to when, the app is dropping. No That's the lore. If you're listening to this in 2028, <laughs> download that shit. Get some. You're coffee. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so obviously you talked a lot about coffee stuff, but you also sing in a badass band from Montreal called Bruiserweight. Um, dropped your demo very, very recently. When you're talking about like you know you coming to Montreal, you know it. It sounded like you were doing some bands when you were still down in the states. Yeah, I had a, I had a few like, I've ha- I've had bands, mm-hmm. none always, as none as been the none vocalist? as notable. No, never. Oh, never been the vocalist. Okay, never. No, so I'm a drummer. What were you doing before? You're a drummer. 
Yeah. Uh, so my whole musical thing has been play drums or bass because bass is the most fun. Um, and it's still rhythmic. But yeah, like even in Montreal before Bruiserweight started, I was playing drums in a few different bands um, that were like, we had been releasing music and like writing and stuff and, and playing some shows. Uh, and then when um, it was the two original guys from Bruiserweight, it was like they had written a demo and kind of rough tracked it and were looking for members. Uh, they asked me to play bass because they had seen me play bass in like a beatdown band. Okay. Um, and I was like, what if I try vocals? How would that be? And they were like, sounds weird, but you know, you can try. And so I like tracked vocals over like a, a shitty kind of like rough mix demo that they sent me and sent it to them. And then they were like, yeah, let's jam. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's try it out. And so uh, our first jam my first jam with them we also had um i think we had bass and we had alec at that point too so uh we were the full five like jamming the uh, four original like the songs from the demo mm -hmm. oh i just got the gotta plug in the fucking laptop because it needs <laughs> the juice it needs its own coffee i um, love corn it's got the juice <laughs> <laughs> so um so you kind of assemble it in that way. Um, you guys went the route of, of playing a couple of shows before the demo came out. How yes. is how is the reaction to like doing that kind of stuff versus you know some bands are like demo first. I I've been on both sides of the coin, especially with the these two projects that I'm in now. Endgame was a band that like played almost too many shows before our demo <laughs> came out, but like it is what it is. And then AOG had it out prior to that. So if you had to go back and either change history or not change anything, like um, where do your thoughts go as far as, you know, having the demo now and then playing the shows that you did. So your Montreal Madhouse set was like, you know, when I was editing, I was like, damn, this band has no music out and people are fucking losing it. Dude, that was like, but that, I mean, I don't even understand the, <laughs> That was surprising to all of us mm -hmm. um, to like, so some of the people in the, in the video, like some people knew the words, but those were like, obviously friends of ours. Yeah. Um, like one guy lives with Ryan, the bassist, uh, and they play in deadbolt together. And then uh, another one was a friend of ours who like his, he's in cross check and he shares like a jam space. So like they had kind of heard some of the music, like maybe jams or something like that. Um, but when we played our first show, it was opening for Buried Alive. And like nobody had heard our music before. It was like a sold out show essentially. So there was like a lot of people from the scene there. And uh, when we hit the first breakdown, like we, I like, we didn't know what to do. Like <laughs> we came off stage and we were like, but why? Like, <laughs> But why? But why? So it was just very, like, I, I I still would wait to release the demo. Like, I wouldn't, if I had to change things, I don't think that I would change a single move that we did. Hmm. Um, Like, even waiting so long, like, the whole reason that it took so long was because we had some hiccups in the process. Like, we, we tracked it, like, the same weekend we played our first show. 
which was in like the first weekend of February. Mm-hmm. And so we were in the studio doing it, played the show, and then finished tracking all on the same weekend. Uh, we had plans to get it mixed by somebody. It fell through. And so it got delayed another month or so. Then we had it mastered by somebody. So it just, it, there were some things that like needed to fall in place that right. we kind of had. But it, I think it played to our advantage, honestly, because we had <laughs> some people that are like, when are you going to drop the fucking demo? And I'm like, I don't, we're still waiting on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you tell t- me, bro. <laughs> I don't have it. Like, I, don't, I know y'all think I have it. I don't have it. Um, mm. So like, honestly, maybe there were some, some things like in it being finished quicker that could have changed. But like, I think we're all super happy with the moves that have, have been made. Um, and I mean, we still have like a lot of awesome plans that have happened simply because of how we kind of played the cards, I guess is how, so I, I don't, I don't no regrets, right? Like I don't, I don't really regret any of the moves that we've made. Like, no regrets. <laughs> no, no regret. Rugrats. No, what's the tattoo? It's not regrets. It's regrets. I think there's one that's an A, and then there's one that's like they flipped the E and the R, so it's regrets. Are you telling me two motherfuckers got no regrets misspelled? Yeah. That should be a one. Like, okay, we can laugh, but there's someone that you know is also a dummy. There's but Alabama no energy. That's out. Al- that's Alabama energy right there. <laughs> <laughs> I because I have so I have so many friends from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> you know, shout out to all the Al Alabamians. Alabamians, I think. Alabamites, one of those. That sounds weird. No. Yeah, no regrets. But adding no adding it at the end is also it's also weird. <laughs> um. So, are any of those songs written about coffee, or you go no. a little deeper than that? <laughs> No, um, no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Fueled by, okay, it's fueled, to happen. Fueled, fueled by coffee, but I don't know. I might fueled leave, by coffee. I might leave coffee it. out of it. No, uh, no, they're they're a bit more like, I would say they're personal, but it's more about like some of them come from conversations that like us as a band have. Like if we're kind of like venting about things or you know talking about shit, um, and then some of them are just me, like certain things that like i'm watching i guess like whether it be news because like even being in canada i try to keep up with things that are going on in the states Mm. um and so like some of the lyrics are written around the time you remember the guy that in 2018 he like shot up that high school in um florida and killed like 17 kids it's it's really sad to say like I can't they remember. All it. They all blurred it. So together, yeah. much of that that happens. So it's like hard to be like, oh, which one are you talking about? You know. But right. yeah. But during his trial, like I was, I was keeping up with like a lot of it, and it's just like, while he's on trial for basically causing the deadliest school shooting in U.S. history, like they're talking about like taking away like restrictions on gun ownership and stuff, and I'm just like what are you doing um so it's it's a like some of it's like political and then some of it's just like in the scene like maybe we'll see some things that we're like we like chat about that it's not drama so much as it is like um scraps i guess but Mm. you know just writing about 
staying uh, positive and together. And, you know, I, I'm a very like upbeat person. So it's yeah. hard for me to just write like really angry, mean lyrics. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't, there's certain words that I will refuse to say. Um, and so like, yeah, it's, it's more about, I'm a big, I, I came up during like half heart and Bane when like melodic hardcore and positive hardcore was very, yeah. um, Trying like to at throw the front of the scene, uh, optimistic spin on it. Exactly. Like it's better for us to stay optimistic and to unite and find things that like we have in common than it is for us to, uh, to like argue about the things that don't matter so much, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Not to say that people don't deserve to be straight doxxed sometimes. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely, there's, there's things and I'm finding this with like, kind of like fine tuning some of the, the end game lyrics that, you know, are being recorded right now. It's like, it's very easy for me just to write my frustrations about like something that I see um, or like let's even just like outside of like writing music when something's happening, it's very easy for like all the people to express their grievances and their gripes and all of the negativity around something. But mm -hmm. very few people will actually kind of like try to explore and like to play devil's advocate and try to look at like, where's the gray in this kind of thing. And sometimes there's like very little gray and it's very black and white. And that's, right. you know, I feel like that's more situational and mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, there's like some, something to learn or something in the weeds of it all. But very few right. people actually want to get into the weeds. They just want to have a tweet of a take blow up or like, you know, feel like they said their, their piece about it. Right. Um, but yeah, at least on the, on the writing side, like, or writing side or, or any kind of influence, if you're not able to throw a bit of like, trying to like move forward, like optimism kind of side of things, cause that's how my brain works. And it's, it's jarring at times for me when I see someone being so negative about something, but they almost like get off on it in a way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've experienced that. I, I know that we're two posi, posi boys on this posi pod boys. here. So. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. Even if I try to be like really, yeah, negative or just like pissed off about things, like I will immediately be distracted by something that makes me, like I'm a much more, I don't know, pos not positive, but like I like to laugh. Like as, as long as like I'm laughing, I'm having fun, I guess. Right. So it, it's hard for me to stay down for a long time. And I feel like if I have to write, like focus on writing lyrics that are just constantly like deprecating, then it's just going to bum me out and I'll get distracted and start <laughs> watching like travel videos on YouTube or something. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know, I think hardcore needs a bit of both where, you know, you have the bands who will just have like the big fuck you like mosh call moment or whatever. But then you have bands like Magnitude where you have like 25 people on stage singing I Stand to Defy at any That's single my... show that they play. So it's kind of like you kind of need both because I think if it was only one thing, it would get boring and, you know, people mm -hmm. wouldn't be going as crazy for that. So, yeah, I'll, it's I'll take I'll take I stand to defy over, yeah, the fuck you any day. <laughs> and I'm not straight edge by any means, but when I see bands like that, like that shit makes me want to be straight edge yeah. again from like <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I do think that 
you and I come from a similar uh, crop as far as the melodic hardcore, the the big pylons, the sing-alongs, all that kind of stuff. So even though that's not a super popular genre of hardcore nowadays, anytime, like, I don't know, I, I watch any of those half-heart videos or, like, Means was definitely the Canadian band for me, like, growing up. Like, when I can hear the entire room scream something, like, that, I get I got goosebumps just thinking about that, like, right now. So Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, hearing, um, can we start again? Like oh, as dude. soon as that comes on, I'm like that throwing shit I at the wall. I can't not like, hear um, that and not see silly string like <laughs> shoot out from that one. Uh, hey, five six set. Um, but yeah, it's it's bands like that and and mo- and and songs that it's bands like that that have that focus of like yes shit sucks but what are we gonna do to like try to make it better and that mm-hmm. to me has just always been like the hardcore attitude punk yeah. has always been like the fuck the world and mm-hmm. hardcore has always been fuck the world like but i'm gonna make a better version of that world within the right. scene and then also taking that and taking that hardcore mindset and applying it to your job to your family situation to whatever the fuck you you go and and carry on with right yeah that's i mean for me it's it's like trying to find that was a weird noise trying to find uh (laughs) i was like i've done that so many times um drinking certain seltzers is just like i make mouth noises and then i'm like it's it's that yeah it's, it's a gassy noise um, it's a guess. <laughs> uh, no, um, just like, like, like you're saying, like finding, like, what's the thing that I can hold on to, that's gonna like make this better or make this work. And so, as it's always been like, whenever you're going through something hard, you like turning to your friends and like, even if it's just hanging out, like that's always been like the way to do it. So, I always associate hardcore with like the best times I've had. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I'm going to a show, even if like something has upset me or like if I'm feeling down about something or I've been through like a shitty situation, if I go to a show and hang out with the people that I know there, then I'm gonna feel better. Totally. Is essentially like so it's hard. It like you're saying, like it, it is hard to stay negative at a place that I associate with so much like joy. Totally. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to say it. It's like, how can I have how can I be a part of something and like be negative and shitty in that when it's been the thing to give me so much joy and happiness and Mm -hmm. create so many connections and all these different things. Like, I think that's definitely been, and I've talked about this a little bit on, on the socials and I'm not going to take up too much time about it, but like definitely have been in a weird spot in my life and like scoped has always been the thing to help, have some escapism of that and like right. allow me to do that but there's definitely been certain lines that um you know I- i'm definitely someone that kind of wears my heart on my on my sleeve it's very hard for me just to like everything's cool and calm and collective <laughs> it's like you know how i'm feeling is you know is is how it, it's very clear in my opinion i think it's very clear for someone to kind of get a sense of how i'm feeling based off what they're seeing or what i'm doing and right trying to get through this kind of interesting time for me has been a bit of a thing. And I've been very 
aware about how that's creating some un unwanted like resentment as far as like the thing that gives me so much joy like you know like literally was like i'll just say it certain people like i would say there's a lot of people that have been very patient and nice about some montreal madhouse things some of y'all have not and some of the some of those people have been put down to the bottom of the play <laughs> i mean i'll just i just say there's there's parts of it where it's like y'all don't know like okay like the time it takes just to do any set in general the montreal madhouse is an interesting scenario because i wasn't there to film so there's like extra right. struggles of like oh like the frame rates are different. And I have to do all this troubleshooting. It's like, it's kind of been like an interesting experiment for scope to kind of like have a team to do that. And then we can kind of do that. But I've definitely been learning a lot in that. Right. There are sets that I go into that I'm like, ah, I just got, I got to get one done today. And then I edited the, the primal horde set and I'm like, holy fuck, this band's incredible. Like, yeah. like I get joy at the, at the end of it, but like, I'm recognizing that there are times now where it, like, it is a job and, and it's just at that scale. But I do need to remind myself that like, this is the thing that like has opened so many doors for me. And like, mm -hmm. even if it like imploded tomorrow, like I would still look back and be like, I should look back and be super grateful of everything that's happened. So that's a bit of a. A right. weird tangent <laughs> and i you know okay so like, can, i have questions for you sure scoped exposure is not your full-time job no correct it started as like a hobby yes and it still is a hobby it's a full-time hobby exactly it's mm -hmm. like a hobby that has become a monster mm -hmm. <laughs> okay it is so, my frankenstein it's right. my godzilla i think scoped so, exposure is godzilla <laughs> So, so you work a job, you work basically a full-time gig and then you do scoped on the side. Okay. You're not, you're not editing sets fucking eight hours a day. Right. Right. Okay. So let's just go ahead and establish that. So I'm, I'm, I share in your frustration of certain people, uh, in Montreal, not having the, the big smarts, the, the wrinkly brain enough to say like, Oh, hey, like, you know, this he doesn't fucking do this full time. He's doing this because he enjoys it. Just like I play in a band because I enjoy it. So it's frustrating as somebody who also tries to put out content and be supportive <laughs> and like do things for my scene. And then I see fucking people. I'll just I was gonna use a different word, but when I see people that are going on ranting at, you know a uh, an um fucking lost the word just now a friend in the scene and, mm. and that's not even from montreal but it's just railing about nothing basically because i i mean are are they like are certain people expecting this madhouse video set to like put them over like that's my question it's like what what are you expecting aside from you to watch a video of yourself playing mm. That's all I'm wondering. Like, I'm, I feel like that's a fair question. Like, do you feel like that Madhouse set video is going to get you signed to a label so that you can tour full time and put out a $30,000 album? 
Like, what are you expecting it to do? I understand it's cool to watch yourself. And maybe it's unfair for me to ask these questions because my set's been out. But there are other people that I'm friends with that don't have their set out and they're not being assholes. Like, and they've done a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, I feel this like is this not is being aimed and defend me on no, the no, and I, It's not. And I, and I feel like it's, it's, it's not to come off as being aimed at a single person. There's a few mm-hmm. people where it's like, like, you need to understand like there's hobbies and then there's jobs. Like you want me to come for you, like and attack you because you're not doing your hobby as much as I want you to like, right. That's not fair. So if that's to say anything, and I know I just probably just came off as a non positive person in that <laughs> statement, but just chill, like chill, right. like the set will come out. It'll come out. People's yeah. mental healths are more important than seeing a video of, your favorite local band on stage at a fest that you already went to. Right. And I, again, I appreciate it. And I'm not, this was not on my list of things I wanted to talk about. It needed to be said. I appreciate it. And, and if I could pull the curtain back even a little bit more, just to give a little bit of a reality check to everyone. Like, I think the reason as to why I'm even out in Eastern Canada is because I didn't have like my priorities in line of what I was doing. And I was only focusing on scoped. I was only focusing on like the, this, this side of things and feeling so overboarded by like everything from like all the different fests and maintaining this podcast and like, like trying to just only focus on building the snowball that I was like, oh shit, like life is real and life is going on in the midst of all this happening. It's not sustainable for me to keep going um, and doing this at that scale. So I've had to like change it up. And like, again, I'm someone that wears what's going on on the outside. I don't like, I'm not, I would rather like overshare and just have someone be like, oh, that was like a little whatever. Then, (laughs) then kind of being like, whatever, because I've 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 heard it from people who are like they hear the genuineness in my voice when I'm talking about this shit. Um and it's just it, like it's to a point now where it's like okay, like I'm working like a full-time job. I got like all this other shit in my life that we don't have to go into the details here and I'm right. still finding the the hours and like the the moments in between to be able to to get it off. And you know, I've talked with Jordan who's like on the call. He's like, you know, my right hand for all scope stuff. And, you know, we, we've gone every which way of like, if everything, if we were caught up on everything, what would be the things that we actually want to focus on to like, try to add something new or like, do we want to do more podcasts? Do we want to like only film local shows and kind of keep fests at bay? Because, and I understand to what you were saying, Grayson, if someone has never had their, her, never been filmed before if they have a a thing thinking that that one set is going to put them on and get them signed to a label i'll just give like that doesn't like we have we have some pull and some influence i've never had some band come to me and say because you filmed our set we got signed to this label right i've had it recently where i'm sure you saw that clip from mike from street justice talking about going vegan and how he's stronger than everyone and mocking uh, people that eat meat. I'm, I haven't talked to him yet, but I'm pretty sure 
that because that's been the most viral thing that we've ever posted. It's still like I still get notifications of it every single goddamn day. Um, Street Justice played with the Acacia Strain, fit for an autopsy in the Squaler Grind uh, yep. in Toronto uh, a few days ago, and they were specifically requested by by Vincent. And Vincent's <laughs> like he's plugged in on it yeah. on so much that's happening in hardcore, and. I again I'm gonna to talk to Mike so we can like correct the record if I'm totally off basis here. But my understand because there was no other sorry, there's very few other gigs from that tour that there that had local support. There's a few other that I've seen, but like none in Western Canada. So mm-hmm. my guess is like maybe he saw that and maybe he was like, I'm vegan, that's dope. Let's have them on. Right. That Again, and even if it's not, that doesn't give any credibility to be shitty to me as just like an individual who has no understanding of my life. I understand, like, it's way better when someone will message me just to be like, hey, like, just kind of curious on an ETA, like, I know you got a lot of things going on or whatever it is, than to, like, go on Twitter and, like, be about it. And I will say anyone who does that, just know that your set, if you're doing that, it doesn't matter if you're doing that on behalf of your band or it's just your take, that set just goes to the bottom of the to-do list. Because <laughs> I like nice people and I like people that are going to be appreciative of it. But like, it doesn't matter if you have the most hype thing. If you're going to be shitty to me, just put it at the bottom. If you apologize, maybe I'll change my mind. But that's just what—that's just the reality. Like I hold the cards. I'm Yugi Moto. Yeah, there's, there's. I'm, I'm talking a little some, bit crazy here, but you know, it's for just, some of these, I've been frustrated. For for some of these, it's gonna be, I think, more than an apology. <laughs> <laughs> it would take like, more than an apology to move that mountain. Like. Uh, all love to the guys that run Montreal Madhouse because none of this has come from their camp. And right. like, if anything, they have like apo- apologized on behalf of those people. But th- again, that's a whole other tangent. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure that's, I don't want to give that any more time of day. Uh, Bruiserweight is playing a few dope shows that you yes. want to highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please tell me more about that. I'm going to grab a, uh, another bev while we're doing that so please give your give your little ad plug on what you guys got going up and i'll be right back yeah we're playing uh we have our demo releases coming out we have tapes that we're releasing so it's local can't buy those online uh so we'll be playing montreal and hamilton on the 28th and 29th of july then our next show in september we're opening for Madball and death before dishonor in montreal as well uh, that's on September 9th, I believe. And then we're doing the uh, Hold Your Ground Priest show with Gates to Hell, Witness Chamber, and Ten to the Chest at the Hard Luck Lounge on the 21st of September. That'll be cool. Hold your ground. And that's all I have. Did you? Did I leave you? I'm for not too a good vlog. I'm not a good vlogger. What do you mean vlogger? <laughs> like where you just talk to the camera? I don't know how these guys do it. Oh. 
yeah, Jordan was there a, a long gap of time. I was like, oh yeah, I have a, I have minutes to take a piss real quick. Um, but it's only like four shows. Okay. But which, yeah. Which one are you? Because how many shows have have y'all played at this point? It's still like single digits, right? It's less than ten. It's like <laughs> I think it's seven. Seven? Okay. Wait, is it is yeah, so Hamilton Casa Five. Five. It's five. And then we have two more in July. And then we have two in September. And then we don't have anything after Hold Your Ground at the moment. Hmm. Uh but we have we're 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 doing the Canadian I've said this enough, but Canadians have the fucking toughest draw when it comes to trying to play the states. Oh, terrible! But we're doing we're doing the thing, and so uh, it looks like in March we're gonna be doing it like a run on the East Coast. Okay. So, hopefully that goes well. Uh, we're yeah. looking for we're looking for a band um, from the states that we can do it with. So that's kind of up, uh, and we want to do that. We want to release some new music as that's coming. Um, and so maybe we'll, we'll look at doing a split or something. I don't know. That's cool. With, with, with whoever we decide to do, we have some names, but nothing's been decided at all. Do you think, um, Pete Dunn would like your band? Yes. Or is it Dune or Dunn? It's Dunn, I think. Oh, okay. He's the bruiserweight. He is the bruiserweight. Have you seen our shirts? No. It's uh, it online. Yeah, it's Terry Funk wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> oh, that is him. Damn, he's not yeah. having a good time. We very, we very much leaned into it. So actually, it's cool. Um, there's a wrestling league called the IWS. Mm. Um, they're doing something soon, but the wrestler, the Green Phantom. Uh, they've asked to use like his camp asked if they can use uh, our song "Killing Spree" for uh, a promo. That's cool. So that's pretty cool too. So oh, it's yeah. cool that it's like actually catching on with wrestlers. Mm. So we'll see. You know, today Green Phantom, tomorrow Seth freaking Rollins. I don't know. The next day Brody <laughs> King. Who knows where it goes? I think Brody King's got he's his 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 checks in the mail. Or yeah, God's, he's a God's little hate, uh, God's he's a little locked down them. already. And then I, I think Seth Rollins also he's got uh, Code Orange, mm. X Incendiary on his payroll. So yeah, man, it's it's cool to see the continuation of that. That's definitely like a world that I still need more. Like I am the the novice and the noob information wise too. Um, mm. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, who who is the Canadian person that would be like, that's the bruiserweight dream? Well, I guess is like I don't know where Pete is from, but Pete's from the UK. Okay, um, but his man, if Bret Hart was still around, that would have been legendary hmm. to do something with him. But he's obviously he's been retired. Um. I don't know. I don't know who the. I don't keep track of the. So I'm not the wrestling guy. 
Oh, um, okay. you're the, well, the, yeah, you're the coffee guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm the coffee guy. The wrestling guy is uh is Scott. Um, he plays an offside and will to speak as well. <laughs> so he's he's Mr. Montreal Hardcore. Okay. Without him, there's like five bands that can't play. <laughs> so. Don't you hate that? Where s- someone goes away and it's like literally four bands cannot be a part of a bill or a fest. <laughs> we we have literally we are, we're having that issue right now. So um, the uh, ends of sanity and D block run that's happening mm-hmm. yeah it's coming to montreal the same day that bruiserweight desecrate and crosscheck go to play hamilton oh and there's like who's gonna support so, it and like i don't know <laughs> when bruiserweight is occupied there's seven bands from montreal that can't play why'd you do this i didn't do it <laughs> i only play in one band <laughs> yeah you're the one band guy <laughs> i'm the one no literally like it was funny because at Madhouse, everybody else's band played. So they had a little folder with like the artists' passes or whatever. Mm. And in the Bruiserweight folder, it was one pass. <laughs> For me. It's, it's all the other bands. Else is the in there, apps, all the other all yeah. that. Yeah. That's so funny. We have Clo- so Cloned, Deadbolt, Excess, Shutaway, Will to Speak, Offside, Bruiserweight. Those are the seven that Bruiserweight makes mm. up. It's crazy. I really want there to be like a spider web graph or like some kind of app. I don't even I don't even know what it is, but if if someone could definitely map it where it's like you put like a like I'll just say like an Isaac Hale and then it's knocked loose, weapon X, two witnesses, inclination, heart stop, like all the past mm-hmm. and present projects. And then from there, it's like all of that else that kind of do. I I think if you zoomed out, if there if someone made that mind map and you zoomed out, there would be a connection point to every single scene, to every single whatever the fuck. But yeah, sometimes it's hard to keep track of if you don't have something of that magnitude and you're just kind of going off of off of memory. Yeah, it's a it's like a big it's a big map. Mm-hmm. Even in Montreal, it's crazy the overlap, and then like when you get to Ontario, it's way worse. Oh yeah, because <laughs> it's like the GTA, the the Greater Toronto Area, and it's like thirty people make up all of the bands out of six million <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, shit's crazy up here. They're all from Hamilton. Know. They're all from Hamilton. Um. There's also a lot of people who are like in Toronto that are just like a part of so many bands. Um, yeah. But man, it's great. Shit's crazy. Shit's um, crazy. Grayson, the the caffeine is like just vibrating through my veins here. Um, this has been like a really fun, like this feels like a true just sit down with a friend and just have a cup of coffee and, and talk hardcore. Whether the mics were on or off, um, I'm really happy that we did this. Last question before we start to wrap it up is a favorite mosh-related story that you would like to end on. Um, as you know, that could be wholesome, gruesome, anything that happened to you or that you did to someone else. Could have been a show you were at or just you know something you know that you were attending for fun. Whatever's first to your head is how we start to end the show. 
Um, I would say that the obligate obligatory moment would be at the madhouse. Um, when I thought I spin kicked high enough from the stage, but I didn't. And I kicked, uh, Blaine in the nose with a doc Martin. <laughs> I mean, if there's the anyone best. who's going to take a spin kick, uh, it should be Blaine. Well, it's funny because he's literally in the middle of crowd killing where he's like, he's like about, like, it's about to happen. And then right. like my just un unathletic ass comes around <laughs> with uh, a Doc Martin Oxford straight, straight to the, the, the old honker there. Jeez. Apparently like he like immediately started gushing. Like you can see. So if you watch the set, you can see like you kind of see the end of the kick and then the next cut is like from the other side and he's like running towards that camera like with his nose oh, covered yeah. his hat flies off everything like it was awesome <laughs> i didn't even know we had never met before that either mm -hmm. so what an introduction <laughs> yeah it was great i like walked up to rob and he was standing next to rob from from dialone and rust and uh he was like, you kicked me in the fucking face. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I was like, I saw that video. Are you okay? And he was like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... And then Jessa was like, he deserved it. <laughs> Checks out. If, if, if anybody deserved a kick to the dome, it would be Blaine. Yeah. Blaine uh, Webster. Yeah. Shout out to SOV. Um, well, dude, again, this has been fucking fantastic. The vibes, the chemistry. It's almost like we need to have our own fucking show together. Um, I mean, but... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not turning down no, uh, no IP. Okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 you know, I'm sure there's something in the, in the future lore of scopes yeah, and, and there's gotta breakdowns be. to be had. But um, all the links to everything that Grayson does uh, will be in the show notes. I highly recommend that people go check out the podcast. Um, check out Bruiserweight. Um, Grayson, anything you want to shout out, anything you want to end on or anything you want to send the people off with? Uh, yeah, check out the Bruiserweight demo. It's on all streaming platforms. It's just called demo 2023. Uh, also if you go to beans and breakdowns, if you like coffee merch, like cool shirts and shit, there's like, I sell shirts anyway. I don't know if a lot of people know that I sell merch because I never get any orders through my website. But when I go to to like live shows, people want merch. I don't know. But go to the website, beansbreakdowns.com. There's episodes. There's a merch store. Uh, and if you're at Hold Your Ground, I will see you there. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. I appreciate you so much uh, for having me on. And I know that you got a lot of shit going on on your plate. Um, but, you know. Um, I'm here. I'm sitting in positive vibes. You're in my prayers, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I appreciate it. And like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think in the midst of anything going on, it's like, I've really been reminded and, uh, that there's a ton of people that aren't just like following me because of like some, what little clout that they might get off of like being on the channel or on the podcast. Like, there's real genuine people that I've been able to meet and be able to like rub shoulders with. And you are one of those people, Grayson. And like, 
I really, really, really back what you do. And and that's podcast content wise, but also musically. And I'm just looking forward to being able to like shoot the shit with you and, you know, drink some iced coffees at Hold Your Ground. So it's overdue. It's it's long overdue. About a it's about a six months overdue, I think. I yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing Bruiserweight at the pre-show as well. It's gonna be a time. I It'll hope be. you're gonna wear another Hawaiian shirt because you wearing that that shirt at Montreal Madhouse was a vibe. It was definitely a vibe. I tried it. Uh, I don't know if it's my thing. <laughs> well, there will definitely be a fit. So there is lore okay. here. I don't want to go too into it, but there's there's fit lore. There there there's is fit a true. Oh yes, behind. Oh, Bruce you got to share this before is... you wrap. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I should have gone into this earlier. <laughs> There's fit. There's definite fit. Fit lore. Like from the first show, mm. it's it's a constant discussion when we have a show. It's like, what's the fit? Like we all talk about like, what are you feeling? Like what are you thinking? This is what I was thinking of wearing, and we literally like spend time where it's like, what's the fit? Because we're trying to get on that. You know how good Omerta looks on stage? Oh, fucking dripped out. My favorite boy band, <laughs> like straight up. <laughs> We will never be at that level, but mm. there's definite uh, there's definite intention because that first the first show with the sweater vest uh, and the white shirt that's like the bruiser weight outfit. Like people still they're like, are you gonna wear the bruiser weight fit? And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't ever wear that again. It's too like set in. Yeah, you got to give it a year. Mm. So do it at like the the release show for the next release. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. That'll just be my tour outfit. (laughs) The hottest tour outfit you've ever seen, dude. There, there are times where it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this one in a hoodie, and then every single time I do it, I'm like, that was the worst decision ever. My dream is to just get completely shredded and tattooed, so I don't even have to wear a shirt. But that day is never gonna come, right? (laughs) So (laughs) until I'm right there with you, keep Um, picking out shirts. Yeah. So shout out Montreal. Shout out Coffee. Shout out Bruiserweight. Shout out Bruiserweight. Uh, shout out you, Grayson. I really shout appreciate out. you, bro. And thanks for coming on the pod. Yo, Steel City Hardcore, Toronto style, Montreal Hardcore. Any bands that you can find from those scenes are good. Check it out. That's the backing. That's it.